I'm looking forward to the day when we'll greet each other again. It's hard not to greet people, to look at each other and just say, hi, welcome. It's really tough. So I'm looking forward to the day when uh, we will once again greet each other and welcome five people to church and shake their hands and say, I missed you. It's nice to see you in God's house. Amen. I want to begin a new series uh, which I've entitled How to Overcome the Three Traps and Temptations of Life. How to Overcome the Three Traps and Temptations of Life. Amen. So that's all we're going to look at over the next uh, few weeks. Today, I will lay a foundation towards that. So I'll talk a bit about God. I'll talk about the nature or the essence of the character of God. And then I'll cover a few things around the three traps and the three temptations of life. So I'll cover that. And then next week, we are going to look at, uh, maybe I should say, solution number one. And then the other week, by God's grace, we'll look at solution number two. And then we'll look at solution number three. So, But today what I'll do is I will uh, give you what those three solutions are, or three answers or remedies, we'll see what word we'll call them. I'll give you what those three are so that you may do more study on your own. And when we come to church, then we just kind of pull it together for it to make sense. So how to overcome the three traps and temptations of life. There, I think there are only three, to be honest. Everything else falls under those three. And before we read the scripture that I want us to focus on, there's a scripture in First uh, Corinthians chapter 10. It's not our main scripture, but it might help for us to look at that, and then we'll look at the two main scriptures for today, and then the others that I've added towards that. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. The Bible says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Verse 13, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make 
the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So it, it kind of begins with a, a I think a warning it says uh, if you think you stand you have to take heed you have to pay special attention uh, lest you fall and then it alludes and says that uh, there is no new temptation which is what i'm going to talk about just now uh, that has taken overtaken man um, the the temptation that comes to man is common to everyone everyone else faces the same thing and there are three things basically so he says but then god is faithful that he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but when the temptation has come so it does not deny he says the temptation will come and then when it has come god is going to make a way for you to escape so that you may be able to bear it so that's in a nutshell of what that scripture is talking about so let's go to our main scriptures for today uh, i just wanted to talk a bit about that but we'll talk about uh, that in greater detail as we carry on john chapter 3 we need to talk first about god and then later on we'll talk about these other things because sometimes you can focus so much on the temptation and forget about the main issue and the main issue is god amen john chapter 3 i'm going to read verse 1 to 21 and after that we are going to go to first john chapter 2 verse 15 to 17 john chapter 3 verse 1 to 21 and then after that we are going to go to first john chapter 2 verse 15 to 17 john chapter 3 verse 1 there was a man of the pharisees named nicodemus a ruler of the jews This man came to Jesus by night and said to him Rabbi we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do this thing these signs that you do unless God is with him Jesus answered and said to him Most assuredly I say to you Unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of God Nicodemus said to him how can a man be born when he is old can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born Jesus answered most assuredly i say to you unless one is born of water and the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of god that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit do not marvel 
that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? I'll stop a bit. Uh, I, I love that question from Jesus because, you know, even today you can meet people and ask them and say, What does it mean to be born again? And people don't know. They've been with God for some time and you ask them that question and they have no clue what it means to be born again. It's, it's become like a jargon. It's become like uh, a jargon. And, and more or less like something that has come in fashion. So Jesus was very surprised that this guy was a teacher and he could not understand that aspect. There's a certain point whereby when you do human reasoning, it can all make sense, but I think later on you come to the point whereby you go like, ah, but it really doesn't make sense. So verse 11. Most assuredly I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. So Jesus is talking about himself, and he says, I have been in heaven, I have come on planet earth, and I know what I'm talking to you about, and you need to believe what I am talking about. Amen? Verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God... So loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be served. So there is only one way that the world might be served, and that is through the son of God. Amen? So you can underline that word, that part, for God so loved the world, that part, verse 16, verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is a condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth 
comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Amen. We'll come back to this. Let's go to 1st John chapter 2. 1st John chapter 2. We'll, we'll read quite a bit of scriptures today. And I pray that God will help me to continue talking the way I'm talking because it's nice. Amen. First John chapter 2, verse 15. Verse 15, do not love the word or the things in the word. Now, for God so loved the word. <laughs> it's nice, isn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then you go to First John chapter 2, 15, it says, do not love the world. Do not love the world or things in the world. We will see what is God talking about. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world. So what is all that is in the world? Then he gives the answer about all that is in the world. He says, for all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So these are the only things that are in the world. All that is in the world is summed up in these three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's there. So it says, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the last of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Hallelujah. Now, let, let me just begin, and then we'll, we'll see how far we go. But what I've seen is that many people do not realize how much Jesus loves them. Many people don't. In First John chapter 4, verse 19, we're going to read it later. It says, the only reason why we love God is because he first loved us. So when I say I love God, it's because God first loved me. And I'm just giving back the love that he loved me with. So when you look at the nature of God, when you look at the essence of the character of God, when you look at about who God is, God is love. It is, it is, it is who God is. God is love. And you understand as we carry on. So the only reason why I am able to give love and receive love is because I was made in the image of God. Nothing else. You look at lizards. Lizards were never made in the image of God. Lions were never made in the image of God. Hyenas were never made in the image of God. Ants and cockroaches were never made in the image of God. Leopards were never made in the image of God. None of these things were never ever made in the image of God. And because they were not made in the image of God, they don't love. Hallelujah. And the reason why they don't love is because they were not made in the image of God. Only that creature which was made in the image of God, called man, which includes woman, is able to give love and receive love 
because this creature was made in the image of God. Hallelujah. So, you being a human being, just by being a human being, you were given this ability not just to receive love from God, but also to give it back. So, let's go to First John chapter, chapter 4. And then we'll look into the key issues of the matter. First John chapter 4, verse 7 to 19. Beloved, let us love one another. Beloved, let us what? Love one another. Why? For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. So who is God? He's love. God is love. That's who God is. For God is love. So he says because God is love, then you and I, we must love one another. He says, he who does not love does not know God. For God is love. And he says, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. John 3 chapter 16. In, the, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Amen. Verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. And I love that. Anybody in this room who has seen God before? Hallelujah. None. So the Bible here is saying, so the Bible, that means it's not lying. Because it's saying, for no one, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Now, I want you to understand this part of the scripture whereby the Bible is saying, for he has given us of his spirit, God has not done that to leopards, hyenas, lizards, and lions, and elephants, no matter how great they may be. God has not done that. He has not given them of his spirit. The only creature, the only creation on the whole planet earth where God has given of his spirit is man. Is you. Hallelujah. So he says, verse 14, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, 
God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So again, it's repeated that God is love. God is love. If somebody asks you tomorrow and say, oh, say, so who is God or what is God? You just give them the answer and say, God is what? God is love. Hallelujah. Verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. First John chapter 4, 7 to 19. So what we see immediately is that God is love. And because that's his nature, because that's his essence, what you actually understand immediately is that God loves you on your good days and God loves you on your bad days. Hallelujah. God loves you when you think you deserve his love and God loves you when you think you don't deserve his love. And God loves you when you feel his love, when you think you feel his love, and God loves you when you feel you don't feel his love. Because he cannot change. He is God. On your good days and on your bad days, he loves you. When you think about right now, right now, I really think I deserve the love of God. He loves you at that point. And then at the moment when you feel like, right now, I really don't think I deserve, I don't deserve any love from God. He loves you at that point. So the love of God is not based on feelings. It's based on who he is. Simply put, you can't make, stop, you can't make God stop loving you. It's impossible. You can try it, but you will fail because his love is not based on who you are. His love is based on who he is. Hallelujah. Because sometimes we can tell our children that because they're not doing something else and therefore will not show them love. But, but, but as far as God is, is concerned, his love is not based on who you are. It's based on who he is. And that's why he will not change. I think it's in this church. One time I was telling you a story. And I love telling this story because it's, it's a nice story. Even if you may think it's not nice. To me it's nice. So I will tell, I will tell you the story again. I've told you a story that when I was growing up, we would get on a bus. Because uh, we didn't have a car. But we would get on a bus or, or a car. We used to call it Matola. And then the moment the car begins to move, 
you would begin to see how fast the trees were running. They were going at a very, very high speed. It took me a long time to discover that the trees were not running. Rather, it was the car. And through that, I got to understand something about God. That God is exactly the same. He doesn't change. Those trees, if you go and check, you will find that one car passes, the other car passes. Tomorrow that tree is still there. Next day the tree is still there. The other day the tree is still there. The only one that goes past that tree is the car. So it's actually, the car is always there. And one time I got to understand that God is exactly the same. He doesn't change. The one who changes is us. So one day you feel like you love him. The other day you feel like I will not love you God because you haven't done X. Therefore I'm, I'm going to withhold my love. And he doesn't. He just loves you. Hallelujah. He just loves what? Me. Not on what you do, but on what he has already done. And what he has already done is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So that includes the people you hate and the people I hate. The people you love and the people I love. The people you like and the people I like. The people you don't like and the people I don't like. Those two, God loves them. And it's it's based on who he is. It's based on what he has already done. There's absolutely nothing man can do to end the love of God. The Bible says he is love. So Rick Warren says that if if you want the blessing of God in your life and you want the power of God through your life, you want the anointing God on your life, he says you must build your life on three character qualities. And those three character qualities, he calls them integrity, humility, and generosity. And I've tried to do a bit of study around that, and that's what I'm going to talk about in the next few weeks. He says that's what you should build your life on. Build your life on integrity. Build your life on humility. Build your life on generosity. And it's so sad, as we will see in coming weeks, that I think this issue of integrity has just become a cliché. If we have time, I will try to talk about that a bit today. But it's just become something else. It's, I, I laugh. I laugh when you meet people and you ask them, okay, so what are your values in life? A lot of the people, and Naomi will tell you, number one, integrity. But, but you know what? Integrity, integrity comes from the word integer. And integer means the wholeness of one. So it means when I am with Pastor Sunga, I should be exactly the same as I am with Mimi, as exactly the same as I am with the children in King's Kids, as exactly the same as I am with my colleagues at work, exactly the same as I am with the president, exactly the same as I am with Obama, exactly the same as I am with with, uh, the villagers in the village, exactly the same anywhere. There shouldn't be any changes. I am exactly the same with everybody. The moment I begin to change because I am with the president, and then I 
change because I am with Tamika, and then I change because I am with Pastor Sunga, then I am fake. There is absolutely no integrity in me. Hallelujah. So we'll talk about it. And hopefully by then you discover that integrity is none of your, it's not even one of your values. Hallelujah. And possibly you will stop saying that your number one value is integrity. So those three things are critical in life. These are the solutions to the three traps and temptations of life. So today we'll focus more on the three traps and temptations of life so that we can understand why integrity, why generosity, why humility. A lot of people think they are humble. They are not humble. Amen? Now, we'll look at these three traps and these three temptations. But you can already know who is the author of those three traps and the author of those three temptations. And the author and the originator of them is a gentleman called Satan. Now, I'll tell you something, possibly the only good thing about Satan. The only good thing about Satan is that he is entirely predictable. He's entirely, entirely predictable. The beauty with the devil is that he doesn't have any new temptations. The same ones he has been using are exactly the same ones. The same ones he used in the Garden of Eden are exactly the same that he used on Jesus. And exactly the same that he used it on Moses. In Hebrews chapter 11, 24, he says, By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward, and then he carries on. The same temptations he used on Jesus, the same ones he used on Adam and Eve, the same ones he used on Abraham, the same ones that he used on David, the same ones that he uses on me, and are exactly the same ones that he uses on you. They are not new. They are exactly the same. So when you read 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 16, when he says, love not the world, neither things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He's talking about the value systems of the world. The value system of the world. So he says, do not love the value system of the But in John 3.16, when he says, for God so loved the world, he's talking about for God so loved the people of the world. So he loved the people of the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
So there is no contradiction. John 3.16 is talking about the people of the world. 1 John chapter 2.15-16 to 16 is talking about the value system of the world. So he's saying to you, love the people of the world, but do not love the value system of the world. Why, why would God give that to us? I think it's for a simple reason that God has never made a person he doesn't love and God has never made a person he doesn't have a purpose for. Today I, I almost shared with you on, from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, but things change as you know. It says, for he, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he ordained before the foundation of the world. So, so there, there are good works. There are things that God ordained that you should walk in them. So God does not make a person that he doesn't have a purpose for. You, you may think they don't have any purpose, but actually God has a purpose for them. And we'll talk about it later on. Can you take your right hand, this one, Put it, put it somewhere on your left. Can you feel something beating? Because if you are not, then you are not alive. <laughs> you feel something else? On, on, on your left, somewhere here. You, you feel something beating like B, 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 right? That is called the heart. You can't, faith, you can't. You, none. You don't know where your heart is. <laughs> Faith has no clue where her heart is. Okay? The fact that you can feel that, it means God has, God has a purpose for you. The fact that you can feel it, the, the fact that you are breathing, it means that God has a purpose for your life. God, everything that God has made, there is a purpose attached to it. Amen? There is a purpose for a rock, there's a purpose for maize. There's a purpose for an ant. There's, there's even a purpose for the lizards in your house. The cockroaches you kill in your house, there's a purpose for them. You go by doom. But there's a purpose for them. Amen. There is nothing that God has made that he has no purpose for. Sometimes you go, you look at this small insect and you wonder like, what did God create this for? There is a purpose. There is absolutely a purpose for everything that God has created. So God has a purpose for your life. And he loves you. And all he is expecting is that you have to love him back. So he says, love the people of the world, but don't love, hate the value system of the world. The challenge we have as a body of Christ is that we do exactly the opposite. So we love the value system of the world, and we hate the people of the world. I will tell you the truth. In the church... In the body of Christ. We are as just as materialistic, 
sensual, prideful, arrogant, self-centered as the world. And you see it just now. We are exactly the same. Exactly, exactly. The value system of the world is there in the church. That's why we struggle. It's not that we hate people. It's actually because if the, the struggle we have is, is when I'm doing consultancies, I say there's only one divide between people and it's the values. If what I value is different from what you value, we are not going to agree. We're not going to agree. Because exactly what I was saying just now, I challenge you and I say, you know what? Be exactly the same when you are with Tammy, as you are with Tammy's dad, as you are with the president, as you are with people in the village, as you are with that one. But you have made a decision that your life is compartmentalized. You are this one with that one. You are this one with that one. You are this one with that one. You are this one. You are this one in business. You are this one at home. You are this one in the church. You are this one at work. You are this one with children. So there is five different this one of you. And then I am saying, no, there should only be one this one of you. Do you know we are going to argue? It's, it's a value system. It's, it's values. When, we, when, when, when people say, when husband, especially the ones who love saying it, it's their wives, so we love them. So when wives say, most of the times it's wives. The, the men say it, but most times it's wives. When wives say, you don't understand me, it's values. It's, it's because, do, have you, do you know that men are different from women? Do you know that we are not the same? Do, do you know that? Everything about us as men and everything about women is not the same. It's totally, totally different. And actually, sometimes I actually think marriage was founded on the premise of misunderstanding. It, it's, it's just like we'll never understand each other. Some of us, we've been together for 23 years go like, no, 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 that's not what I said. So, no, but, but that's what, when, when she is saying, but that's what you said, she is interpreting it from her personality as who? A woman. But I have never been. So I am speaking as a man. But she is understanding it as a woman. So I can begin to say, no, but that's not what I said. He says, but that's what you said. No, that's not what I said. That's, but that's what you said. That's not what I said, but that's what you said. And, and it can be an argument. You understand? So that's why I am saying the solution to these things is humility. The Bible says, uh, I think it's Ephesians, said, submit one to another. So I just need to be able to say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I've never been a woman. I'll never be a woman. Uh, I think there's a reason why she's saying that. And I just have to say, I'm sorry. Because sometimes you can win an argument and lose a friend. 
You can't win all the battles in life. Exactly the way it is with our wives is exactly it is with our daughters. The ones we gave birth to. Same thing. So it's because of values. It's, it's a values thing. So if you build your life on the three things which we begin to look at from next week. Integrity, humility, and generosity in your life. You're going to overcome these three traps and these three temptations. Let's discover them. What are they? Number one, what is lust of the flesh? To most people, when you say lust of the flesh, what immediately comes into their mind? I've asked it to you a question. Sex. When, when you talk to people and go like, last of the flesh, the immediate thing that comes into people's mind is sex. Now, what I want to say is, yes, it does involve sex, but it is so much more than that. When we talk about last of the flesh, we do not only talk about sex. Last of the flesh, it is the temptation to feel the temptation to feel. The, I want to feel pleasure. I want to feel pleasure. And that pleasure can be from food. It can be from drugs. It can be from big brother. Kadawashiwashi. And uh, Z-word. You know? Grey anatomy. Tell me some more. Huh? Housewives of what? Of Atlanta. Have you been to Atlanta before? <laughs> okay. Okay. So so it, it can be from the social media. Pornography? When you look at all these things, Housewives of Atlanta, Big Brother, Z-World, social media, pornography, food, drugs, if you actually check people who get involved in that, it's because they want to feel good. That's why you see them... And, and actually they go, aile, 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 aile. It's fine, I'm good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. And you cannot deny, they are feeling good. But it's temporal. When people are having drugs, when people are busy eating, they are feeling good. So it's not just the sex. It involves a lot of things. It is the temptation to feel. It involves our passions. It involves our appetites, our desires, our hungers, our cravings. Have you ever said, I am just craving for chocolate? Huh? Has it happened to you before? I'm just craving for chocolate. And look, look at your face when you're saying, I'm just craving for chocolate. The one with nuts in it. Just crave it. Just crave it. It's lust of their flesh. 
you 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 know you can actually you can you know do you know you can become addicted to chocolate you know that to the point that you can fail to stop eating chocolate anything that you do in excess there's a problem <laughs> we'll talk about these things later on but but i'm telling you the truth all these are cravings so so for somebody else the craving, there are people, I can assure you, there are people that if they just miss Z-World, if they just miss Housewives of Atlanta, thanks so much, my sister, if they just miss Housewives of Atlanta, they actually think they have missed something very huge in life. They are, you can actually feel that your life is not complete anymore. Because there is something you feel, and, and the truth is that you feel good. There are others when they are watching these things that when the person in the movie or in, in Housewives of Atlanta begins, <laughs> begins to cry, they can begin to cry too. It, it, that's last of the... It's I want to feel. I want to feel good. Amen. So it, it involves these things. Passions. Cravings, hungers, desires. There are people who eat. You have never seen people who eat before. There are people, their mouth never stops chewing from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed. And even in the middle of the night, they go to the fridge to grab something. People have got appetite for food. You think you have appetite. Go and wait and see people who have appetite. And they can't stop themselves. And actually they say, I don't know how I can stop myself. But when they do it, they feel what? Good. So check the things that make you feel good. Check them out. Just sit down and say, when I sit down, these are the things that really make me feel good. And check how far you have gone on them. You may discover there's a problem somewhere. I'm not saying chocolate is bad. I'm not saying food is bad. Let's move on. Last of the eyes. Last of the eyes is the temptation to have. I see it and I want it. Recently, because of the work I'm doing, they bring me a newspaper every day in my office. And in, I've seen a very common thing in the newspapers. There is always a catalog in a lot of newspapers these days. There's a catalog. It can either be shop right. It can be build, build something. You know, sometimes when you begin to see those things, it's when you discover you don't have a house. <laughs> and game, game, I think game releases every what? You see, you memorized. You memorized. Game releases it every what? Even, even the men memorize too. So stop saying it's the women who love shopping. Even you too. 
So now, this is what happens. The moment you pick a catalog, I'm not saying catalogs are bad. Please understand me. I'm just trying to give you examples so that you can understand, okay? The moment you pick a catalog and you go through it, you end up seeing things you didn't know you could live without. All of a sudden, you realize that you couldn't, you could not live without that kettle. You have one that boils water. It's not that the one at home doesn't boil water. It boils water and it boils okay. But all over a sudden, you look it in this catalog and immediately you see it. You want it. I have seen people. These days when you're driving, I'm in a roundabout going towards Central Hospital roundabout and then going a little bit towards the city center. There are people, young men who stop with shorts, t-shirts, face masks, and everything else. Do you know what? I have literally seen cars stopping. And there are people who immediately they see the t-shirt. They go, I want it. Pack. As to the eyes. It's not that you couldn't do without that t-shirt. But the moment you have seen it, I want it. Do you know what it is called? It's called materialism. It's called materialism. We are as materialistic as a word. The moment you see it, you what? You want it. it. That's why women, they, they can come and show off to their husbands and go like, guess how much I bought it. Guess how much I bought it. Guess how much. Whether you bought it for 300 kwacha and you think you impress me because you bought it for 300 kwacha, you saw it and you want it. And tomorrow you complain, I don't know what to wear. Ah, ah. But remember, we are different. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, church. I'm sorry. But it's true. It's true now. I'm not lying. Oh, I'm, I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. So you come and you come home and go like, guess how much, guess how much. Because you think he will feel bad or he will judge you or he will take you to court. So you say, guess how much, guess how much. How much did I buy this? Um, so, so you lie, you go like, oh, 1,500, where are you? 1,500 this. 300 And tomorrow you bring another what? 300 kwacha. The other day, it will be 100 kwacha. You see it, you want it. It's called last of the eyes. And that's why you, we end up holding all these things in our homes. Sometimes you even wonder, why did I buy this? You can't even remember. Pride of life. And then we'll look at some two examples. Pride of life. 
What is pride of life? Pride of life is the temptation to be. The temptation to be. So, so I just don't want to be loved. I want to be admired. I want to be envied. I want when people look at me, they should go, wow. Wow. <laughs> Good morning, Mimi. <laughs> you see, these days I preach nice. You say, I, st- I told you I stopped shouting. I told you. You know, I want to be envied. Actually, literally, sometimes the way the way we do things. Sometimes the clothes we buy, the wigs we put on, the um, the makeup we put on, the perfumes we wear. You want when you walk in the room, every other perfume should submit to yours. <laughs> so you can actually buy the most expensive perfume at Oara Tambo International Airport. We thank God planes are not going there now. <laughs> so we are same same <laughs> for now. <laughs> for now. For now. <laughs> <laughs> I want people to worship me. Why did you buy it? Why did you buy it? And then you begin to hide. Because you don't want anyone else to be like you. The day you will disclose is when you have, you have had a new release. It's called secularism. That's what it is called. So you can see it's about passions, possessions, position. Popularity. Power, prestige. Every single advertisement you see in the world is built on these three things. Either one of them or all the three. Last of the eyes, last of the flesh, the pride of life. Get our product and you will feel good. There's an advert for Casalaga. I think Caso, Caso or Casalaga. I think it's castle. Castle is beer, right? Ah, you know. It's beer, right? Yeah. It says smooth. Smooth. So you actually think when I take it out, it will be smooth. It's, 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 it's those things. It's, it's, it's a, you, 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 you actually, we get this product, I'll feel good. I get this product, our house will be great. It will be great. You, you do this, you'll be smart. You'll be rich. You'll be worthy. You'll be envied. Check all the adverts about that. You feel, these days, there's another new word. You feel sexy. Who doesn't have sex? Because people say, sometimes we, you know when they say, what is your sex? So male, female. Then somebody changed it. Okay, gender. 
But actually, there are things that people buy and they say, I will feel what? Sexy. I don't even know the meaning. Somebody needs to interpret. Because I may be speaking something bad. But it's this thing that people look at you and say, wow. It's passion, possession, position. It's about sex, salary, and status. So what the world is trying to get is what the Bible says we are not to live for. We have to love the people but hate the value system. Let's go to Genesis 3, 1 to 6. I need to begin to wind up. I want to finish by quarter past. Genesis 3, 1 to 6. We'll just look at that and then we'll look at one more, okay? And then we'll finish. Genesis 3, 1 to 6. Okay, so the Bible says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed says, said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Verse 4, then the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. Let's go to verse 5. Let's read it together. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That is God pride of life. You will be like God. What is the definition of pride of life? The temptation to be. You will be like God. Now, it's very interesting. I'll I'll finish that part. It's very interesting what the devil does. Do you know that the devil will never tempt you to be like him? Do you, do you know that? The, the devil never tells you, like, no, be like me. Be like me. Uh-uh. Never, ever. Never. And you must understand he is not stupid. He is not stupid. He says, you do this and you will be your own God. You will be your own God. When you look at the whole New Age movement, the whole new age movement basically tells you you can self-identify as a Christian but also hold these kinds of beliefs. So let me give you some of the beliefs of the new age movement. Number one, reincarnation. Reincarnation is a new age thing. Astrology. What is astrology? Hmm? You are learning people. What is Astrology. Horoscope. The people who just believe in horoscope. Astrology. Psychs. The whole thing about the presence of spiritual energy in physical objects like mountains and trees. Freemasons. 
Freemasons is a new age thing. And it's there in Malawi. And they put it in the newspapers these days. They used to hide it, but now they come out open. They say we are a group of men from different churches who meet for fellowship. It's a new age thing. And the whole thing is that you will be a God. No, you're not. If you are, why can't you solve the world's problems? You're not. God God wants you to become godly in character, but you'll never be a God. And and there was a time I told about these things, because if you recall the time I told about Alice Bailey, those of you who have been around for some time, everything she came up with was against the Ten Commandments. So he says, you'll be, you'll be, you'll be, you'll be like God. Let's carry on. Says, verse 6. So when the woman saw, I see it and I want it. So when the woman saw, last of the eyes, that the tree was good for food, it will taste good. Last of the, the flesh. That it was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, pride of life. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. That's it. That's it. He has not changed. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. I think that will be my last scripture. Time is up. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. We'll finish there for today. Matthew chapter 4. You there? Okay. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was what? Hungry. He had appetite for food. He had a desire for food. So absolutely nothing wrong with Jesus being what? Hungry. There is absolutely nothing wrong with you being what? Hungry. Nothing wrong. But now I want you to see what the devil does. Because temptation is always built on a natural desire. So let's carry on. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones become bread. Turn these stones become bread. Nothing wrong with Jesus being hungry. Nothing wrong with you being hungry. Nothing wrong with you having a desire for sex. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong you with you having a desire for chocolate. Nothing wrong. Absolutely nothing wrong. But, but the temptation is always built on a desire. So what the devil is trying to do is say, use your gifts to satisfy your own flesh. You, if you are the son of God, turn this bread, turn this stone into bread. Use your gifts to satisfy your own flesh. And and I want you to know, this is the first temptation of every human being on planet Earth. 
Every temp- first temptation for a leader in a church, a pastor, a leader in a nation, it's a first temptation of leadership. Preachers. First temptation of, of, of people who do sales. It's first temptation of everybody. You, me, that's a first temptation. Whatever you are, you are going to face it many, many times in your life. Take the ability that God has given you and just use it for your own benefit. Do you know there are many people who use their position for their own benefit? I don't want to go into the 78 cars. You know the 78 cars? The the, the thing that led to that, if it's true, (laughs) I should put a disclaimer. It's because I see it and I want it, and when I have it, I will be a God, and everyone else will say, wow. So I can even have a house in Russia. I can have a house in Zambia. I can have a hotel here. <laughs> so, so that's a challenge. You're going to face it many times. Most of, I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, most of you, we don't know you until the day you have money. Check the way you struggle to give tithe. Your priorities are upside down. You, you can actually be ready and say, okay, let there be no food in God's house, but I need to buy these iron sheets. I'm not saying it's wrong to build a house. That's not what I'm saying. Satan doesn't care if you succeed in life. He is very, very happy for you to succeed as long as you claim all the credit. As long as all the benefits are true to you. Take the gifts you've been given and use them to glorify yourself. You know you can be very sharp in athletics and use it to glorify yourself. I see it on, on football matches all the time. Me, me, me. The very same person, somebody tries to trip them, the way they will touch the leg is as if they are about to die. The moment they score a goal, immediately they run towards the stands. And then they will fall on the ground and everybody will be right on top of them and they will rise up. A few minutes ago, they were about to die. It's the same thing, it's the same thing with maths. You can be very sharp in maths, even music. You know, sometimes you can even be in the worship team and try to show off in church. You don't come to worship, you come to do a performance. Even public speaking. It's about, you make yourself, anything you use in your life to make yourself the center of attention, it's last of the flesh. Anything you use. Most people who want to preach, it's because of adrenaline. Most people. You want to become the center of attention. You want to become the center of focus. Here is the test for you as a pastor. How many of you want to preach? I'm not saying it's bad. Just, just hands up. I want to see you preach. Those of you who want to preach. 
I'll give you a very simple test. The test is, do you love the people you want to preach to? And there's a reason why I'm saying. I know you people. <laughs> I, love it. I love it when people say, Pastor, you don't know anything that is happening in chaos. I know everything. Most, not everything. Most. I know most of what is happening in chaos. I know this one is cheating on his wife. That one is cheating on her husband. That one is a thief. That one, that one akabirikan drama sabwenza. That one survives on caterpillar. That one beat his wife last night. <clears throat> that one did that. This one is womanizing. This one is busy drinking. This one is busy doing that. This, and you come to church and you, and you sit like that. You do holy, holy. And, and I don't shout. That's why I've stopped shouting. So I don't shout. And I still give you an assignment. Can you do this for church? Can you do that for church? People think I don't know. But it's that when you become a pastor, God teaches you to love the people you preach to. It's, it's the way you can understand it. Only women will understand it. The men will not understand it. Women know how to love. You know how women, how women believe that even if the husband is a drunkard, he will change. He, he will change. He will be a very good man. Pastor, you have no idea how I love this man. Pastor, I love him now. There's a woman who knew that her husband was an armed robber. She loved that man. When the guy comes back from stealing with phones, she would give her the latest phone. And she would use it. And she loved him. Women, hey. You can show them all the red flags. They say, Pastor, I understand what you're saying. That, that The love you feel for him, it's the love that God has given us as pastors. That's why we love you. So we are not here to show off. If you preach to show off, you are not qualified. Actually, please listen. This thing that you are having a quiet time, you take a picture and put it on WhatsApp status that you want us to show us quiet time. It's called pride. This thing that you go to the mountain and you take a picture of you at the mountain kneeling by a stone. Who was taking that picture? Because for sure, it cannot be a selfie. You preach on a Sunday like this, you want people to take pictures. I've seen it, guest preachers do that. It's pride. I'll come to that just now. But what I'm saying is that, do you love the people you preach to? Because if, to, if it is to show off, avoid. 
So the first temptation is use your gifts to feed your hunger, to feed your needs. It's a temptation that all of us have gone through. These days, this day, when I have preached, I've seen some people have decided I will not change, I will carry on like this. We love and they carry on and they carry on, they carry on. I just say, Lord, give me the love of Jesus. Because previously I just used to write people off. But no, not anymore. I just, I, just, I just believe like a woman that one day you will change. Number five. Verse five. Verse five. Then the devil took him into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So he takes him to the pinnacle of the temple. And he says, why don't you just jump off? Just jump off, it will really be very cool. And we know what the Bible says, that God will send his angels, they will catch you. And you know what, Jesus, it will be the biggest miracle and everybody will know that you are God. Now, here is the thing. It sounds pretty reasonable, isn't it? That's what happens most of the times. People come to you and they will tell you logic. And the logic will be very, very reasonable. But they are not ready to listen. Now, there's nothing wrong with Jesus being worshipped as God. Absolutely nothing wrong. But the way to worship Jesus as God is through the cross. This man has to die and the death has to be death of the cross. Not jumping off the pinnacle of the temple. Not walking on air. Have you heard what I said? No. It's, 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 not, about, it's not about these things. It's not about showing off. The day I will begin to preach to show off, just knew he has lost it. And do you know there are people who preach to show off? There are people who preach to show off. There are people who speak English vocabulary. I will not mention who, but there's a guy who speaks the isakata Yuashatakaposa of Wazakataya. On on NBC. Because I can't remember the English words he could use. You know who? Showing off. So the temptation to show off, the temptation to do the spectacular, the temptation to to do what everyone, to do something that everyone will say, wow. And your life will be tempted to show off. You will be tempted to show off. Every time the temptation to show off comes up, just know. Just know. Just know there's a problem. 
And Jesus went through that. Finally, as we finish. Verse 7. 8. Again, Jesus took him on the exceedingly high mountain. So that one was the pride of life. You will be God. And everyone will not doubt that you are God. They will say, you know who God is? He's the one who jumped from the pinnacle of the temple and he did somersault like Bruce Lee and he landed, yeah! I've arrived, I'm God. And people begin to worship. And Jesus says, that's not the way. The way is through the cross. And I wonder why people don't want the cross. Yeah. The reason is because it's painful. But you know, as long as you're a child of God, everything you have been through in your life, God has a purpose for it. You may not understand it now, but God has a purpose. Let me finish. Again, he took him on exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, all these things I'll give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. And other visions, it says, for a time, until the opportune time. So he shows him all the things and he says, I'll give you, all I want you to do is bow. It's called materialism. I'll give you all these things. See, I'll give you. If you just worship me one time, I'll give you all the wealth of God. It's got last of the eyes, materialism. It's that, that temptation whereby you want to sell out what God has given you in your life for money. And it's amazing things that people can do for money. Things that people can do for money. Hey, taking a job simply on the basis of income and not what God has shaped you to make a contribution in the world. Am I saying working is wrong? No. But what I'm saying is there are other jobs that we can literally pick on in life simply for the sake of income and not making a contribution to the world. It's a big temptation to sell out what God created you to do in order to make more money. And this this temptation of wanting to make money is shocking. People are ready to do anything as long as they will make what? Money, cash, dollar. The, the choir, I think Mitengere Choir now has sung a new song. They say, uh, they say assignment, eh? huh? homework. I think homework or something. It says, homework. That one is also what? Homework. Let me ask you this final question and then we'll close. What are you ready to do in your life? As long as it's going to make you money. 
even though you know this one. Know this one. The Lord, the Lord, I know what God is saying. And, and, and already somebody else is saying in their heart, Pastor, so you want my family to suffer. That's not what I'm saying. But anything else that you are ready to just get money and you know it's absolutely not in line with what God wants you to do to make a positive difference in the world, there's a challenge. And the, the answer to all these things that we have covered today, materialism, secularism, the last of the flesh, lies in those three things. Integrity, humility, and generosity. And I can assure you, by the time we'll be finishing the series, a good number of you, you will take those things that you have, that you, you just look at them at home. I don't know why you do that. You don't wear that shoe anymore. You don't wear that trousers, that shirt, that dress. You don't use that pot anymore. You don't. You don't use the pot anymore. You don't use the kettle anymore. But you want to see that there are 19 kettles in your cupboard. The pot you don't use anymore. Some of the plates you don't use. Some of the shoes you don't wear. Some of the clothes you don't wear. The children came. You used to be size 10. Now you are size 18. Why are you keeping size 10 clothes? Don't you know there are women who wear size 10 out there? The moment you begin to disassociate yourself, the moment you begin to let these things go, you'll be surprised what God will do in your life. Father, help us to do well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so you came to church today. You brought a tithe. Please kindly stand. I just want to pray for you. If you brought a tithe, I just want to pray for you. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, your word is clear. Bring a tithe into my storehouse that there may be food in my house. And I love it, God, because you say, try me now in this. Try me now. If I will not open for you windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. We pray in Jesus' name. You do as your word declares. You also declare, God, that you rebuke the devourer for their sake. So we ask, God, rebuke the devourer for their sake. Let them not suffer miscarriage of whatever sort. Let them be blessed. Let them be a delightful heart. Be with them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray for the offering. Father, thank you for the offering. We pray God in Jesus' name. Bless it. Let it do the work of the ministry.
Bless your people as they give today. Meet them at their point of need and their point of expectation. We give you glory, give you praise. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Let's give to the Lord and God bless you as we give. Let's all stand.